Amen. As you're grabbing your seats, go ahead and get your Bibles and open them to 1 Timothy chapter 6. This morning we're going to be covering verse 17 through 19 today. And while you're turning there, I want to say thank you again, church family, for your help yesterday. It was a fantastic trunk or treat. As Pastor Brian said, there were uh, lots and lots of people here, somewhere between 1,200 and 20,000. Um, but I told him, listen, we're Baptists. We round up, okay? And so uh, we'll, we'll go with, we'll go with uh, the, that other number. But uh, no, thank you so much for your willingness to help. Man, we, we had so many people doing so many things, and we could not do what we did last night without your help. Uh, so thank you. Thank you for, for helping with the activities. The kids loved it. If you helped us with serving food, if you helped us clean up, there was popcorn on every square inch of carpet in this whole facility. And so um, I told the, the, told the cleanup crew last night, too, that was record timing, 57 minutes they reset this whole church. All the chairs, floors, vacuum, bathrooms clean. They did awesome, all right? They were like, we are getting out of here. So, yeah, fantastic. So, um, and we learned how many people our building can hold. It's exactly the amount of people that showed up last night. And so thank you. Thank you so much for, for all your help. Uh, in that. I also want to say thank you so much to our staff team, our pastors. They do fantastic. Pastor Brian, Pastor Drew, um, and then the real rock stars of, of last night, uh, that was Belinda Mullet, Heather Tucker, and Jack Nornberg. So if you see those three, yeah, if you see those three, say thank you. Um, the look in their eye on Thursday morning at 10 a.m. when I'm like, what if we just brought it all inside? Was like, yeah, we can do it. We can do it. And they did. And so thank you to them. Thank you to y'all for being able to quickly respond and know that the community shared with us too. Thank you for not canceling. Thank you for keeping this. Uh, I think that's probably the number one thing we heard uh, yesterday was everyone else was canceling because of the weather. So thank you for figuring out a way to do this. So again, thank you all for, for your help in that. Also want to put on your radar something very significant in the life of our church that's going to happen tonight. So we have a business meeting at Lenexa Baptist Church church on 87th street across town 5 p.m in the worship center there it's going to be significant for us as a church here at fellowship olathe because in that meeting tonight uh, they're going to be voting on all of the stuff uh, that we need to uh, continue to proceed towards autonomy so uh, constitution bylaws uh, committee members and church council and and all of that good stuff so we want to encourage you if you can to, to go to that we'd love to have a good showing at that from folks from Fellowship Olathe in support of, of those people that are being uh, nominated, but also uh, just a really fun, exciting time in the life of our church. So I wanted to make sure that you knew about that and uh, knew that it was not here. So it's not here. It's at LBC across town, 5 p.m. in the worship center there. And it will be one of the, it's the last time. It's the last time we'll gather over there. And so um, it's exciting uh, and, and awesome and all of those things all at the same time. So I wanted to encourage you uh, to participate with us there tonight. All right, as I said, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19 this morning, we're going to complete 1 Timothy today. So starting next week, we're going to jump into 2 Timothy and continue to see uh, how Paul challenges this young pastor, Timothy, and this young congregation 
in Ephesus. And again, this is all for our understanding of, of how to uh, be the household of faith, like what, what it is that we're supposed to do as God's church, as God's family. And so it's been a really wonderful study up to this point, and it will continue to be in Second Timothy. So this morning, what we're going to talk about, we're going to cover the subject of money, all right? And so Paul's going to talk about what it means to be a believer and be wealthy in this present age, all right? So this is not the first time that Paul's brought up the, the topic of money or wealth in this book. In fact, if you go back, you can see in the qualifications for elders and for deacons that they would be men that, that aren't pursuing uh, that, um, that, that they wouldn't be concerning themselves with, with growing in their wealth and, and their possessions and all those types of things. And then if you remember two weeks ago, we talked about the danger of the false teachers. They were people that lacked wealth, but really desired it. And so they were willing to do anything it took to gain that. And Paul warns us against that a couple chapters or a couple studies ago. And now he's going to circle back and address wealth again because he realizes that there are people within the church that have wealth. And so a couple of things I want to make sure that we understand right out of the gate. Paul does not condemn the wealthy. It's not sinful to have possessions. It's not sinful to have wealth. But he does give some instructions in this text for those of us about wealth. And so we're going to see in this passage, he gives two warnings about wealth. And then he gives us two uh, basically directives that he, he wants to encourage us with as it pertains to our wealth. And so you see it right out of the gate in verse 17. I want to make sure that we see this. It says, as for the rich in this present age. And I think it's important that we have this conversation before we jump in as well, because for a lot of us in the room, when you think of somebody that is wealthy, like really, really wealthy, you might think of someone else first, right? You might think of somebody like Elon Musk or somebody that you know or the, the person that has the really big house or the person that lives in that really nice neighborhood or drives those really nice cars. Like, like wealth is, is always in the context of someone else, but in the in the preparation this week for, for this passage, I began to wonder, like, what does it mean to be wealthy in this present age? And so I took a global perspective, all right? And here's what I found out. I found out that this lesson this morning is applicable to every single person in this room, right? From a global perspective, when we think of wealth, it's not somebody else that we should think of, it's us. It's every single person in this room, in fact, according to, according to statistics, if you make $55,000 per year, and that's a household income, you are in the top 10% wealthiest people on earth. If you make over $160,000 a year per household, you are in the top 1% of the wealthiest people on the face of the planet. And so that puts things into perspective for us a little bit, especially when we consider we live in Johnson County, right? And I know not everyone is as wealthy as everyone else, but it really helps us put into perspective that when Paul talks about those that are wealthy in this present age, it includes every single person in this room. So there's some things that we need to understand about this. There's some things that we need to hear as far as warnings go. And then there's some things that we need to concern ourselves about of like what kind of people we are in the household of faith, what we should be doing with the wealth that God 
And so Jenna's really provided all of us. And so that's where we're headed this morning. We're going to open God's word together. We're going to read verse, six, uh, verse 17 through 19 together. Then I'm going to pray. And then we're going to look at the four things that Paul challenges with here this morning. So if you would, start reading with me in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. It says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, be rich in good works, and be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so they may take hold of that which is truly life. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we ask that you would illuminate this passage for us, God. I pray that you would help us to understand it. God, maybe more important than that, Lord, I pray that you would help us to apply this. God, Paul, Paul isn't talking in code here. He's, he's, pretty, he's pretty open and he's pretty clear. And so, God, maybe the better prayer request this morning is that you would help us to apply it to our lives. God, we understand what it means, but, Lord, it's so much more difficult to, to put it into practice. And so, Lord, I pray that you would challenge us as individuals, as families, as couples. God, help us to know what we're to be about. God, help us to know what we're supposed to do with all that you have richly blessed us with. God, we pray that you'd move and work this morning. We pray this in Christ's name, amen. All right, so as I said, Paul addresses four uh, very clear things in this passage. Like I said, he's not, he's not trying to talk in code or, or secret here. He's just very open with his instructions. And as I said, he starts with two warnings that we see in verse 17. And then in verse 18 and 19, he builds on two ideas that I want to make sure that we all understand that we're to be about as believers who are wealthy in this present age. All right. So we'll start with verse 17. And the first warning that we see that Paul shares with us is this. He says, as for the rich, the present age, charge them not to be haughty. So number one, he here is we see that we're not to be arrogant or conceited. Don't be arrogant or conceited about what you have. And we know that, again, this is, this is from the perspective of believers within the church. Then there's also a perspective of those that are outside the church. And most often what we see is those who have things become puffed up about those things, right? And even about themselves, they think more highly of themselves because they've tricked themselves into thinking that what they have is because of who they are and what they've done and how amazing they are. And we know that that's not what the Bible teaches. We recognize that, that we're not to be conceited and we're not to be arrogant about these things because the secret is that everything we possess is from God. He is the source of everything that all of us have. And the Bible tells us that he has entrusted us with those things to be a blessing to other people, right? And so instead of being arrogant, instead of being conceited about what we have, we're to be humble, recognizing that, that God has entrusted us with these things. And we're called to be good stewards, right? Being a steward is being over in charge of something that belongs to someone else, it's what's really going to help us combat this tendency to go towards arrogance and conceit because we recognize that everything I have and everything I possess really is a result of God's goodness and God's faithfulness, not anything that Jeremy's done or even anything that Jeremy's deserved. But because God is good and faithful, we have these things. And so we're to be good stewards of the things that God has provided us with. 
right? And that's all things, not just our material possessions, not just the money that we have in our bank account. It's all the things that God has richly blessed us with, our abilities, our opportunities, and our possessions and our money. So those things are included in there, but he reminds us right out of the gate that because God is the source of all of these good things, we're to be humble stewards of all that God has entrusted us with, and we're not to be arrogant or conceited, which stands in direct contrast to the world, right? You see those that have much and they don't have Jesus, there's the tendency to become filled with pride and puffed up and and conceited and arrogant, right? I mean, you you see it all around us. And so Paul says, listen, for the believer, you're you're not, not looked that way. Now recognize that he doesn't condemn having wealth. He says, but you're not to be arrogant about it. So it's not wrong to have wealth, but it is wrong if you act like it. That's the simplest form. Paul's saying, listen, don't be arrogant and conceited. Recognize that you are simply a steward of the good things that God has entrusted you with. He continues on here in verse 17 and gives us our second warning about being wealthy in this present age. So the verse continues. He says, nor set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God. So the second warning we see here is don't misplace your hope. Don't misplace your hope. Listen, you're a a believer in this present age. You're wealthy in this present age. Make sure that you don't make the mistake of misplacing your hope in the uncertainty of riches. Make sure that you're placing your hope in God. Remember, the Bible tells us that. Jesus tells us that. In in the Gospels, he says, listen, you don't need to concern yourself about the things of the world. You don't need to concern yourselves about what you're going to eat and what you're going to wear. Like Your father knows what you need. Your father's going to supply those things, right? But it's, it's tempting to, to become consumed with the things of this world. It's tempting to be, set your hope on, on your bank account and your investments and, and all of those types of things. And so that's what he's saying. It's not new in the first century, it's, and it's not new today. So Paul's warning us, listen, to be wealthy in this present age, you need to be remember or reminded of the fact that you're not to set your hope on the uncertainty of riches. And listen, we know they're uncertain, right? We know they're uncertain. How many of you um, remember 2020? It was a little weird thing that happened that year uh, called the global pandemic, right? And here's the crazy part. I'm flying back from a mission trip from Nicaragua late February, early March, right before everything you know, kind of shuts down. And here's when I was reminded most of our hope being in the uncertainty of riches. The guy I'm sitting next to on the airplane, guess what he does for a living? He invests other people's money. And you know what was happening to his phone? It was blowing up. Why? Because everyone was turning on their investment apps and watching, watching all their hard-earned dollars and all their investments go down in real time, right? And that's hard and it's tempting to do, but he's saying, listen, don't, don't worry about those things. As a believer, as a believer, you shouldn't set your hope on those things for sure. Make sure your hope is in the right things, right? No amount of riches will keep you from your own mortality, and that's really the main emphasis here. It's it's why it's such a dire warning. Listen, if you put your hope in the wrong thing, it could cost you everything. It could cost you eternity. That's what the reminder is. Do not put your hope, do not set your hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God. You want to make sure that we don't get this right? Because like I said, no amount of riches will keep you from your own mortality. Every single person in this room will eventually die. 
Every single person in this room will stand before God. And the only thing that's gonna matter is whether or not you put your full hope and trust in Jesus Christ. And if you put your hope and your trust in things that don't matter and the uncertainty of riches, you're gonna stand before God and you're gonna miss the mark. Listen, everybody knows the name Steve Jobs, right? Steve Jobs died of pancreatic cancer. Every single person's gonna die and stand before God. And guess what? When he died, he had $10 billion in the bank. And not a single nickel of that mattered when he stood before God. All that matters is, do you know my son, Jesus Christ? And in that moment, that moment, it's gonna be the most significant thing ever. Listen, we, we think about this life way more than God does. God's all about eternity. And listen, in that moment, you're not gonna care what your investment portfolio looked like. You're not gonna care how many bedrooms your house had or the square footage or if you got the BMW or the Mercedes or none of that's gonna matter. All that's gonna matter is have you put your faith and hope and trust in Jesus Christ. So that's Paul's second warning. Do not misplace your hope. We see this biblical principle in Matthew chapter 19, 21 and 22. It says, Jesus said to him, if you'd be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. So we know this text is the, the rich young ruler, right? So Jesus is given this example of, of what Paul's talking about here. Listen, somebody who's misplaced their hope. Listen, the, the tragedy of, of the rich young ruler is that he focused more on what God had given him than on God himself. He walked away from the invitation to follow Christ. Why? Because he had much wealth, many possessions. He misplaced his hope. That's our challenge here, the application for us. Place your hope in the one who supplies all things. Don't place your hope in the things that he supplied. Make sure that you don't get that backwards. Make sure that you don't get that twisted up because you run the risk of missing God and focusing on the wrong things in this life. So Paul's second challenge to all of us that would be considered Wealthy in this present age is don't misplace your hope. Don't forget at the end of the day, it's not about what you have or how much money you have in the bank account. It's about a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. Number three, we see in verse 18, Paul began to transition some. So he's given us two warnings and then Paul is going to follow up those two warnings with two instructions or two, in, two challenges. So he's saying, don't do these two things, but be about these two things. And so the first thing we see in verse 18 is that we're to be generous and willing to share. So number three is be generous and willing to share. That was a really easy point to come up with this week. I love that about Paul when he's just like, hey, here's four things. Write these things down, all right? Make sure that you put these things into practice. But look at verse 18. They're to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Generous and ready to share. Listen, he say, don't be arrogant and conceited. Don't think too highly of yourself. You're simply a steward of what God's entrusted you with, right? Be, be humble. Like, don't misplace your hope. Don't put it in things that don't matter. Be about God's kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you and he'll take care of you. 
Don't, don't worry about those things. What you need to worry about, believer, that's wealthy in this present age, you're to worry about being generous. You're to worry about being a person that's willing to share. That's countercultural. Right? For, for, for a culture that don't know Christ, they're not looking for ways to be generous. They're work, looking for ways to keep what they've, what they've built. I worked at 433 Ward Parkway here in Kansas City while I finished school. Some of the wealthiest people in this whole area lived in that building. And I remember having a conversation with a man who didn't know Jesus, but he knew a lot about money. And I remember standing at the desk and hearing him say, you know, I used to stress I used to stress about how I was gonna make money, but now I stress about how I'm gonna keep it. I thought, what a heartbreaking thought that God has entrusted you with everything that you have to be a good steward and, and your main thought is, what do I need to do to make sure that I keep all of this? For who? For me, why? I don't know, maybe I might need it. The idea for believers is just the opposite. I'm not saying don't take care of your responsibilities. You need to pay your light bill. You need to pay your more. You need to do those things, but be known for generosity. Listen, would people describe you as that? Like if I asked your family, if I asked your friends, if I asked the people that you work with, are you like a person that's known for sharing and generosity? That's hard. I just know a lot of people that, man, they are stingy. I even tried the shorter water bottle and it still fell off. But they're just stingy. And it's a crazy concept because when you really understand that you're simply a steward of what God's given you and that you don't really deserve it, you're a much more generous person. And I know that the Holy Spirit does that to us in Christ. He begins to change us. And so Paul's saying, like, listen, if you're a part of the household of faith and you're rich in this present age, be known for being generous. Be, be known for, for sharing. And listen, generosity, that, that's hard to equate. I know it's not this. I know it's not the bare minimum. That's not what generosity looks like. So generosity may look different for every person in the room, every family in the room, but the heart is the same. That you'd be open and willing to giving first instead of taking and keeping. And so that's a challenge to us here from Paul. is in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 and 25. It says, one gives freely yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched and the one who waters will himself be watered. There is a biblical principle here that God is telling us. Listen, be generous, be willing to share. God didn't promise that if you share, you're gonna become a gazillionaire, but God's word has promised you that he will take care of you. So be generous and willing to share. That's number three. Number four, see the same thing in verse 18. In verse 19. So he says they're to do good, to be rich in good works, generous, ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future. 
as a good foundation for the future so they may take hold of that which is truly life. As I said before, listen, God is far more concerned about eternity than he is this present age. We as people, we're far more concerned oftentimes about this present age than we are about eternity. And we've got the equation flipped. So what Paul's saying here, number four, is store up eternal treasures. Store up eternal treasures. Listen, he says, as a good foundation for the future. He's saying invest in your future, but not just financially. Invest through good works. Invest through serving. Invest in the eternal things that are going to matter one day. So store up eternal treasures. Do the work. Be rich in good works. Listen, be known. Be known for what you do for the kingdom and not just how much you have. That's that's a principle that Paul is, is getting at here. Serve others and serve God. We were talking this week in, in preparation for this. One of Aaron and I's favorite uh, shows is Downton Abbey. Any Downton Abbey fans in the room? Okay. It's fascinating to me to watch, though, because in that culture, right, it's very obvious that there are have and have nots. And there is a wealthy class, and then there is a serving class, right? And we see that still today. In our culture at large, if you really look around, you you will see this. But in a biblical perspective, within the household of faith, God's economy, he takes everything and flips it on its head. And he says, listen, instruct those that are wealthy in this age to store up treasures in heaven, to be rich in good works, to be the ones that serve, to be the ones that love. Not to be the ones that go, listen, that's for other people now. That's the principle here. Store up eternal treasures. Listen, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21. Jesus describes it this way. Do not, lay up for your, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves neither, or break, do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I feel like a good test for this to see how we're doing in this whole storing up eternal treasures is, is really to see what we treasure, right? You can, you can flip that, inverse it, and this is what I'd ask. If you really want to know where your heart is, look at what you treasure. Do you treasure the things of God? Do you treasure opportunities for ministry and missions? Or does it look like you treasure investing in yourself in this present age? So that's the challenge we see here in this passage of scripture from Paul to the people in this church in Ephesus and to Timothy. And it's a powerful reminder to us today because like I said, every single person in this room would be considered rich in this present age. So here's what we wanna make sure. We wanna make sure that we're good stewards of what God has entrusted us with, that we're humble that we're generous, that we're willing to share, that we're worried about and focused on storing up eternal treasures. And why does he say this? He summarizes it with this saying in verse 19, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Like, What does that mean? Paul's saying if we would guard against these two things and put into practice these other two things, then we will experience what is truly life. 
and it'll be life-giving to us, and it'll be honoring to our Father in heaven. So that's the reminder for us this morning. In close this morning, I wanna remind us too, again, of putting our hope and trust in Jesus Christ. I mentioned it earlier in this service, at the very beginning of this sermon, it's the thing that matters most. It's what matters most. Listen, this, this life isn't about how much you can accumulate. It's not about your job. It's not about your wealth. It's not about your car. It's not about the square footage of your house. It's about trusting and knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And I would plead with you to take God up on his free offer, his gift to you, which is salvation through the finished work of Christ. Listen, put your hope and your trust there on Jesus and him alone. Make it about the future things. Make it about the eternal things, the things that really matter. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the, the challenge that we find in it. Guys, we've already established this morning, Lord, this passage isn't hard to understand. But God, this passage is incredibly difficult to put into practice. God, this is really hard for a lot of us in this room, God. So Lord, I pray that you would help guard us against arrogance and conceit. God, I pray that we would be good stewards of what you've entrusted us with. God, I pray that we'd be a people that are known for our generosity and our willingness to share. God, I pray that we'd be known for being about eternal things, that we'd be rich in good works that we would be rich in the things that matter, God, that we, would, that we would start and lay up a foundation for our future with you forever. And God, I pray that no one in this room has misplaced their hope. God, I pray that they haven't put their hope in themselves. God, I pray that they haven't put their hope in their good works. God, I pray that they haven't put their hope in, in what they have. God, my prayer is that they have put their hope in Jesus Christ and him alone for their eternal salvation. And God, if they have not, Lord, I ask that you bring them to the end of themselves this morning. God, that you reveal to them that you are their only hope, their only chance for salvation. God, I pray that you would fill them with boldness to respond to the invitation that you offer freely to follow Jesus Christ. And we pray this in Christ's name.